Chapters 5 through 8 of Romans from the New Testament in Modern Speech, translated by Richard Francis Weymouth. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Mark Penfold. Chapter 5 Standing then acquitted as the result of faith, let us enjoy peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also, as the result of faith, we have obtained an introduction into that state of favor with God in which we stand, and we exult in hope of some day sharing in God's glory. And not only so, we also exult in our sufferings, knowing as we do that suffering produces fortitude, fortitude ripeness of character, and ripeness of character hope and that this hope never disappoints, because God's love for us floods our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. For already, while we were still helpless, Christ at the right moment died for the ungodly. Why, it is scarcely conceivable that anyone would die for a simply just man, although for a good and lovable man perhaps someone here and there will have the courage even to lay down his life. But God gives proof of his love to us in Christ's dying for us while we were still sinners. If, therefore, we have now been pronounced free from guilt through his blood, much more shall we be delivered from God's anger through him. For if while we were hostile to God we were reconciled to him through the death of his Son, it is still more certain that now that we are reconciled we shall obtain salvation through Christ's life. And not only so, but we also exult in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now obtained that reconciliation. What follows? This comparison. Through one man sin entered into the world, and through sin death, and so death passed to all mankind in turn, in that all sinned. For prior to the law sin was already in the world, only it is not entered in the account against us when no law exists. Yet death reigned as king from Adam to Moses even over those who had not sinned, as Adam did, against law. And in Adam we have a type of him whose coming was still future. But God's free gift immeasurably outweighs the transgression. For if through the transgression of the one individual the mass of mankind have died, infinitely greater is the generosity with which god's grace and the gift given in his grace which found expression in the one man jesus christ have been bestowed on the mass of mankind and it is not with the gift as it was with the results of one individual sin for the judgment which one individual provoked resulted in condemnation whereas the free gift after a multitude of transgressions results in acquittal for if through the transgression of the one individual death made use of the one individual to seize the sovereignty all the more shall those who receive god's overflowing grace and gift of righteousness reign as kings in life through the one individual jesus christ it follows then that just as the result of a single transgression is a condemnation which extends to the whole race so also the result of a single decree of righteousness is a life-giving acquittal which extends to the whole race for as through the disobedience of the one individual the mass of mankind were constituted sinners, so also through the obedience of the one the mass of mankind will be constituted righteous. Now law was brought in later on so that transgression might increase, but where sin increased, grace has overflowed, in order that as sin has exercised kingly sway in inflicting death, 
so grace too may exercise kingly sway in bestowing a righteousness which results in the life of the ages through jesus christ our lord chapter six to what conclusion then shall we come are we to persist in sinning in order that the grace extended to us may be the greater no indeed how shall we who have died to sin live in it any longer and do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into christ jesus were baptized into his death well then we by our baptism were buried with him in death in order that just as christ was raised from among the dead by the father's glorious power we also should live an entirely new life for since we have become one with him by sharing in his death we shall also be one with him by sharing in his resurrection this we know that our old self was nailed to the cross with him in order that our sinful nature might be deprived of its power so that we should no longer be the slaves of sin for he who has paid the penalty of death stands absolved from his sin but seeing that we have died with christ we believe that we shall also live with him because we know that christ having come back to life is no longer liable to die death has no longer any power over him for by the death which he died he became once for all dead in relation to sin but by the life which he now lives he is alive in relation to god in the same way you also must regard yourselves as dead in relation to sin but as alive in relation to god because you are in christ jesus let not sin therefore reign as king in your mortal bodies causing you to be in subjection to their cravings and no longer lend your faculties as unrighteous weapons for sin to use on the contrary surrender your very selves to god as living men who have risen from the dead and surrender your several faculties to god to be used as weapons to maintain the right for sin shall not be lord over you since you are subjects not of law but of grace are we therefore to sin because we are no longer under the authority of law but under grace no indeed do you not know that if you surrender yourselves as bondservants to obey anyone you become the bondservants of him whom you obey whether the bondservants of sin with death as the result or of duty resulting in righteousness but thanks be to god that though you were once in thraldom to sin you have now yielded a hearty obedience to that system of truth in which you have been instructed you were set free from the tyranny of sin and became the bondservants of righteousness your human infirmity leads me to employ these familiar figures and just as you once surrendered your faculties into bondage to impurity and ever-increasing disregard of law so you must now surrender them into bondage to righteousness ever advancing towards perfect holiness for when you were the bondservants of sin you were under no sort of subjection to righteousness at that time then what benefit did you get from conduct which you now regard with shame why such things finally result in death but now that you have been set free from the tyranny of sin and have become the bondservants of god you have your reward in being made holy and you have the life of the ages as the final result for the wages paid by sin are death but god's free gift is the life of the ages bestowed upon us in christ jesus our lord chapter seven brethren do you not know for i am writing to people acquainted with the law 
that it is during our lifetime that we are subject to the law a wife for instance whose husband is living is bound to him by the law but if her husband dies the law that bound her to him has now no hold over her this accounts for the fact that if during her husband's life she lives with another man she will be stigmatized as an adulteress but that if her husband is dead she is no longer under the old prohibition and even though she marries again she is not an adulteress so my brethren to you also the law died through the incarnation of christ that you might be wedded to another namely to him who rose from the dead in order that we might yield fruit to god for whilst we were under the thraldom of our earthly natures sinful passions made sinful by the law were always being aroused to action in our bodily faculties that they might yield fruit to death but seeing that we have died to that which once held us in bondage the law has now no hold over us so that we render a service which instead of being old and formal is new and spiritual what follows is the law itself a sinful thing no indeed on the contrary unless i had been taught by the law i should have known nothing of sin as sin for instance i should not have known what covetousness is if the law had not repeatedly said thou shalt not covet sin took advantage of this and by means of the commandment stirred up within me every kind of coveting for apart from law sin would be dead once apart from law i was alive but when the commandment came sin sprang into life and i died and as it turned out the very commandment which was to bring me life brought me death for sin seized the advantage and by means of the commandment it completely deceived me and also put me to death so that the law itself is holy and the commandment is holy just and good did then a thing which is good become death to me no indeed but sin did so that through its bringing about death by means of what was good it might be seen in its true light as sin in order that by means of the commandment the unspeakable sinfulness of sin might be plainly shown for we know that the law is a spiritual thing but i am unspiritual the slave bought and sold of sin for what i do i do not recognize as my own action what i desire to do is not what i do but what i am averse to is what i do but if i do that which i do not desire to do i admit the excellence of the law and now it is no longer i that do these things but the sin which has its home within me does them for i know that in me that is in my lower self nothing good has its home for while the will to do right is present with me the power to carry it out is not for what i do is not the good thing that i desire to do but the evil thing that i desire not to do is what i constantly do but if i do that which i desire not to do it can no longer be said that it is i who do it but the sin which has its home within me does it i find therefore the law of my nature to be that when i desire to do what is right evil is lying in ambush for me for in my inmost self all my sympathy is with the law of god but i discover within me a different law at war with the law of my understanding and leading me captive to the law which is everywhere at work in my body the law of sin unhappy man that i am who will rescue me from this death-burdened body thanks be to god through jesus christ our lord to sum up then with my understanding i my true self am in servitude to the law of god but with my lower nature i am in servitude to the law of sin
Chapter 8 There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. For the Spirit's law, telling of life in Christ Jesus, has set me free from the law that deals only with sin and death. For what was impossible to the law, powerless as it was because it acted through frail humanity, God effected. Sending his own Son in a body like that of sinful human nature and as a sacrifice for sin, he pronounced sentence upon sin in human nature, in order that in our case the requirements of the law might be fully met. For our lives are regulated not by our earthly, but by our spiritual natures. For if men are controlled by their earthly natures, they give their minds to earthly things. If they are controlled by their spiritual natures, they give their minds to spiritual things. Because for the mind to be given up to earthly things means death, but for it to be given up to spiritual things means life and peace. Abandonment to earthly things is a state of enmity to God. Such a mind does not submit to God's law, and indeed cannot do so and those whose hearts are absorbed in earthly things cannot please God. You, however, are not devoted to earthly, but to spiritual things, if the Spirit of God is really dwelling in you. Whereas if any man has not the Spirit of Christ, such a one does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, though your body must die because of sin, yet your spirit has life because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised up Jesus from the dead is dwelling in you, he who raised up Christ from the dead will give life also to your mortal bodies, because of his spirit who dwells in you. Therefore, brethren, it is not to our lower natures that we are under obligation that we should live by their rule. For if you so live, death is near. But if through being under the sway of the spirit you are putting your old bodily habits to death, you will live. For those who are led by God's Spirit are, all of them, God's sons. You have not for the second time acquired the consciousness of being, a consciousness which fills you with terror, but you have acquired a deep inward conviction of having been adopted as sons, a conviction which prompts us to cry aloud, Abba, our Father. The Spirit himself bears witness, along with our own spirits, to the fact that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs too, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we are sharers in Christ's sufferings, in order that we may also be sharers in his glory. Why, what we now suffer I count as nothing in comparison with the glory which is soon to be manifested in us. For all creation, gazing eagerly as if with outstretched neck, is waiting and longing to see the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creation fell into subjection to failure and unreality, not of its own choice, but by the will of him who so subjected it. Yet there was always the hope that at last the creation itself would also be set free from the thraldom of decay, so as to enjoy the liberty that will attend the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole of creation is groaning together in the pains of childbirth until this hour and more than that we ourselves though we possess the spirit as a foretaste and pledge of the glorious future yet we ourselves inwardly sigh as we wait and long for open recognition as sons through the deliverance of our bodies it is in hope that we have been saved but an object of hope is such no longer when it is present to view 
for when a man has a thing before his eyes, how can he be said to hope for it? But if we hope for something which we do not see, then we eagerly and patiently wait for it. In the same way the Spirit also helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what prayers to offer nor in what way to offer them. But the Spirit himself pleads for us in yearnings that can find no words, and the searcher of hearts knows what the Spirit's meaning is, because his intercessions for God's people are in harmony with God's will. Now we know that for those who love God, all things are working together for good, for those, I mean, whom with deliberate purpose he has called. For those whom he has known beforehand, he has also predestined to bear the likeness of his Son, that he might be the eldest in a vast family of brothers. And those whom he has predestined, he also has called. And those whom he has called, he has also declared free from guilt. And those whom he has declared free from guilt, he has also crowned with glory. What then shall we say to this? If God is on our side, who is there to appear against us? He who did not withhold even his own son, but gave him up for all of us, will he not also with him freely give us all things? Who shall impeach those whom God has chosen? God declares them free from guilt. Who is there to condemn them? Christ Jesus died, or rather has risen to life again. He is also at the right hand of God, and is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from Christ's love? Shall affliction or distress, persecution or hunger, nakedness or danger or the sword? As it stands written in the scripture, For thy sake they are, all day long trying to kill us. We have been looked upon as sheep destined for slaughter. Yet amid all these things we are more than conquerors through him who has loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life neither the lower ranks of evil angels nor the higher, neither things present nor things future, nor the forces of nature, nor height, nor depth, or any other created thing, will be able to separate us from the love of God which rests upon us in Christ Jesus our Lord. The End of Chapters 5-8 through eight. Recording by Mark Penfold